Hey guys, what's up? For this episode of Find Your Film, I have two movies that I'm spotlighting. Two movies, by the way, that are both on digital and on demand as we speak for this week, and they're both recommended by me. So, both different movies, both very interesting, especially I think if one doesn't suit you, the other one might. They're both different genres, or hopefully they'll both suit you. So, the movies are Punch and Unseen. First off, you're going to get the interviews for Punch, and let me read you the plot synopsis for punch right now. Hold on one second. Yeah. Okay. So Jim is a promising teenage boxer training under the watch of his demanding and alcoholic dad. Now, Jim, by the way, is played by Jordan Oosterhoff, and this is his big screen debut. He's very, very good in this. Jordan is when Jim played by Jordan develops a relationship with a male classmate. The two are forced to navigate isolation, homophobia, and the brutality of a small town life. It's written and directed by Welby Ings And it's very interesting, these interviews, because Jordan is a first-time actor. I asked him about working for a couple of years, or actually throughout his life, working on the Sanford Meisner technique, a technique I learned of when I interviewed Jeff Goldblum over 30 years ago. And that's the first time I heard about Sanford Meisner. And now I have the ability to actually ask that Meisner question to Jordan. And Welby, it's very interesting. This is his feature debut, but he spent his entire life dabbling, not dabbling, just in the arts, teaching and creating, and he lives in a bleeping forest. So I love that. It's a fantasy of mine to actually live out in nature, even though I barely go out in my backyard. So it's a very personal film, has its fictional elements. It's inspired by Welby's own relationship with his late soulmate. And he talks about that in his interview, very personal interview with Welby and just a very great guy to to talk to, speak with, and as well as Jordan, because it's great seeing a very talented actor, Jordan, and his co-star, Conan Hayes, I believe, or Conan Hayes, I believe he pronounces it Conan in the interview, but Mr. Hayes is plays the classmate who gets involved with Jim, aka the boxer, and both of these lead actors, Jordan and Conan, they're both very, very good, excellent, in fact, in Punch, which is on in theaters, on digital, and on demand March 10th. Tim Roth plays the father of Jim. And a lot of the movie deals with Jim's passion for boxing, but also trying to, he's been a boxer or training for boxing for all of his life. He wants to lead a life of his own as well. So you get to see how those, his life as well as his passion for boxing and and his own relationship with his father collide. And that classmate that he initially, he eventually warms up to, eventually both of them warm up to each other, and they form a very unique bond in punch. Finally, after the interviews with Jordan Usterhoff and Welby Ings, I have an interview with Yoko Okumura. She is the director behind the movie Unseen from Paramount Home Entertainment. It is currently, as we speak, as it's recording, it's on digital and on demand. Love, love, love this movie. It uses a lot of split screen. I'm a huge Brian De Palma fan, so I asked the split screen question, I think, towards the top of the interview, and she answers in kind. She's also, I believe, from, yeah, she's also from Minnesota. A little fact of mine, when I was a kid, I lived in this really peaceful Halcyon, Halcyon back then, suburb of Edina, Minnesota, back in like 1979 or 1980, and I asked her about living in Minnesota. So she answers that question in the interview, but she's also one of these directors you'll be seeing in the future, in the near future, because Unseen is a fantastic movie. Both movies are doing really well right now on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not going to pull up their score right now, but 
you can do it. You can pull up your the Rotten Tomato scores for Punch or Unseen on whether to see these movies. So also regarding recommendations, if you love really interesting character-driven action thrillers with with a little bit of a a little bit of an edge and color pop to it unseen is for you here's a synopsis two women form an unlikely connection when a depressed gas station clerk played by jolene purdy receives a call from emily played by midori francis and what this fateful call is because emily who calls this randomly calls this gas station clerk emily is in grave danger with her ex-boyfriend Okay, and she, Emily currently is without her glasses and she can barely see. And what happens is she is relying on this gas station clerk to help navigate her through the forest of this movie, of this landscape, of this universe. If she doesn't, if she's not successfully navigating through this landscape, then Emily will possibly, her life is definitely in peril with her abusive boyfriend. Very interesting movie. I think this is a movie... Again, it was only out this week. I believe it'll get a lot of momentum as more people see Unseen. So these are my interviews. It is with first Jordan Userhoff, just new novice actor, excellent in Punch. Then Welby Ings, if you want to hear what it's like to live in a forest, give that one a shot. And also my interview with Unseen director Yoko Okumura. So what's interesting is every single week me and Eric Holmes we have a whole bunch of interviews and it's so it's great to cover them but there's just so much content out there on a given week that for example this week on cinematics we covered a whole ton of movies and i if i actually tried to shoehorn my reviews of punch and unseen then it would have been pretty much impossible it would just be, be too much so i i don't know if every every week is going to be like this where it's just a ton of movie content but it was like this this week. So anyways, here are the interviews for Punch and Unseen. Hit me up on info at Find Your Films and tell me what you think of these movies and the interview. Thanks again for supporting us here on Find Your Film. Take care, guys, and have a great week. Bye. I set up your first professional fight. It's your big break. It's what you want, isn't it? It was such a tease. Dad, I've got a life. Only more you ain't you're a boxer. You made this. All of this. Do you ever get lonely out here? We'll keep the world at a distance. This whole town reeks of testosterone. Eyes up, eyes up. Do you want this boxing thing? I do. Dad, you're all I've got. You can't go around being the victim your whole life. Nobody cares that you're gay. You're my boy, is that, is that nothing to you now? You can't just push everything away from him. You're worth more, mate. We've got a little secret, you and me. You think you want to be mates, but you're too scared. Just my, on my testing, end as well. Testing, 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 one, two, three. <laughs> Speaking of testing, Jordan, what was it like to actually have the lead in it's a great movie, by the way? Thanks. Was it a lot of pressure on yourself that you put, or did you just like leave that pressure behind and just do the work in front of you? Yeah. 
no, no, honestly, no pressure on me, bro. Like, you spend so much time as an actor not getting the opportunity to act and just thinking about it and emotionally trying to like dissect things. And then when you get the opportunity to, when it's something as heartfelt and something that you can read on the page and emotionally connect with, you just, I just, and this is the test, right? I either can do it or I can't. I tell myself I can do it in terms of like feeling these things and trying to portray that as authentically as I can. And what other way than to actually find out when there's 30 people watching you get naked on a beach, you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Jordan, in layman's terms, I remember about 25 years ago, Jeff Goldblum during an interview, he was telling us a journalist, the importance of the Meisner technique. And I actually looked at some of your resume. You mm. studied for a couple of years under that. It, was that an important part of your evolution as an actor or is it, you know, how important was that for you? Or is it just actually getting that experience and learning on the day with those 30 people watching and collaborating and all that kind of stuff? I think it's both. I think you can understand the theory, uh, theoretically, until you actually have to put it into practice. And I think that's where, you know, the sort of rubber meets the road in terms of whether any sort of acting style works for people or not is when they actually have to do it. Um, but personally, I love Meisner. I've sort of studied under it the entire time I've done act- acting, which is about just shy of 10 years now. And for me, it's just, I, I feel like whoever a different person is, they might associate with Stanislavski or being a method actor, you know, for whatever reason I lucked out in the first sort of type of acting that I delved into, it just felt right to me. You know, so much of Meisner just comes back to moment to moment focusing on the other person, interacting and and living truthfully. And I feel like almost in my normal life, that's kind of how I am anyway. So it kind of just blended. There was synergy somehow. I don't know how. But. What was it like for you just to work with such great co-leads in this movie? And I think one of the biggest strengths of Punch is that it really feels honest and true. So mm. what is it like to actually work from within with material, with a excellent actors opposite you and then also with material that feels very real and not movie like i guess yeah uh, well the actors and Welby himself amazing truly the biggest like whatever happens now whether that's more roles whatever the gift is being part being able to be part of something and an experience that was so beautiful um so working with them tim con and Welby, all so beautiful in their own way so friendly, so open, and so uh, obsessed with trying to make their craft as, as as good as it can be. And then the project, it was wonderful, man. Like like you said, it felt human. Reading the script on the page the first time I read it, I felt it. Like I didn't just go, oh, yeah, this is a script for an audition. Like I felt it. So getting the chance to do it is scary. The scary part of that is the emotional sort of, side you know you just being vulnerable and putting your heart on the line is scary and you don't know how that's going to work but you know i I said it before in another one uh art what is art if not scary what if, if i'm not walking on the edge of what i know and what i don't know then you know i won't learn yeah okay so so, yeah i i I, sorry for um, butting in but i i I know nothing about acting but there is one sequence i'm not going to give too much away where tears are shed um is that you know with the technique and miser technique and working in this project is it easy was it easy for you to get 
to that place, especially since one of the themes behind Punch, which I resonated with me was no matter what, just try to be there for the people you love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, that scene was hard from the moment I read it. I was crying reading it because it's someone, you know, the person that you should have been there for, you know, like the person that was your friend, you're the only person that in the town even treats them like a human, you know, and the fact that you're like not being there for someone, that feeling of, of disappointing someone so greatly, it's beyond words like that. You just weren't strong enough to be there when they needed you. I mean, you know, that's right there. Even now I could cry at that feeling. I suppose I'm kind of an emotional person anyway, but I don't have any necessary connection with that feeling in my day-to-day real life, but through Meisner and what I was taught and what I felt and the beauty of what's written on the page just comes out, especially with Tim there and Welby, you know, you know, I, no, no joke. After watching this, I'm just assuming that you guys, as co-leads are going to get so many offers. Is that something that you're a professional? Is that something you think about? Or is it like you just said, this project is so personal for you that you can take whatever comes because this is, yeah. Obviously as a human being, I I want, I want variance. You know, I want, I want to try and do more. I want to learn. I want to be well-be and, you know, being around well-be and Tim and Conan, what a chance to learn. And be around people that I would just, I would happily not even act. I'll just sit in a room and let them talk and I'll listen and learn, you know? So I I want to do more, man. I've got such a appetite and energy to, I'll give anything a go. But I can't control that as an actor. I can't be like, hey, I need this next. Because it's not under my control, plain and simple. So I'm content, I'm happy, and I'm positive looking, positively looking forward. Speaking of in control, the, there's that another element, which is the boxing element. And I've asked other actors about the quote unquote sweet science of boxing. Were you able to understand why people call boxing the sweet science when you get oh, under yeah. the layers? Uh, yeah, it's just from your words, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just so fine, so well drilled so like it's such an art form in and of itself you know like i kind of have this obsession with art like football can be an art uh skateboarding can be an art like the art of boxing the way that the people that i was able to learn from and be around during the training process the way they boxed was beautiful it was amazing it was a science because they have been developing it for years you know and here i was some newbie with like zero rhythm trying to do like a punch and like a combo and they're just like they, they just make it look fluid man there's a fluidity fluidity to it and i really uh, love it for that and it's a lot like acting in terms of being moment to moment like you literally have to focus on another person's behavior so yeah a couple final questions is you know your character in Punch, he really puts a lot of things on the line and it, and it feels like you as an actor, you really gave a lot of yourself to this role. And has that, have you always been like that as an actor, as far as your dreams and giving whatever it takes, as opposed to, I'm sure some people being human beings will hedge your bet. Well, I'm not, I can be an actor, but I can also be all these things, but it just seems you um, abandoned. You, you, there's no abandon in this performance. So is that how you approach acting as well? I think that's how I approach life, to be honest, bro. Like I just am recklessly engaged in whatever I love 
for better or worse. Like I just fucking love it. Like the reason I want to give so much and try my best is not even because, you know, the attracting to action, the attraction to acting is not because I want attention or fame or something. Like I truly think that if I try and put myself in this mentality and try to live these moments, even though they're not real as, as truthfully as I can, I kind of feel like I'll learn about both myself, the character, the world, life itself, what it is to be human. You know, like I just, I just learning through reckless abandon. That's how I'll phrase it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Final question, Jordan is, and this is, I guess the toughest one is right off the top of your head. Can you name one of your all time favorite films? And what is it about this specific movie that resonates with you? La Vita e Bella, Life is Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Italian version, not the American dub, sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. It starts sort of really over the top and eccentric. And, and then it just weaves the story of, like, no matter where you are in life, no matter what prison or physical thing constraint is put around you, like, your mind, you know, like, you can be – the master of how you view things, how you, how you interact with other people, whatever stress and what comes at you in life. I love that. Like that is such a thing that I feel. So I, I love that movie. And as we're leaving, did you ever feel with your reckless abandoned POV that you'd ever get to this place where you'd have a really great movie to support and people like me, journos are, are just complimenting you on your performance. Did you ever think you'd get to that place? <laughs> No, I didn't really think about that, to be honest. I don't really think, I don't really project forwards and try to see what might happen. I kind of just focus on the moment and see what happens. Whatever comes after is just icing on the cake. Thank you so much, Jordan. Really enjoyed this film. Awesome, man. Nice to talk to you, Greg. Pleasure. Take care. Talk to you soon. Yeah, man. We'll see you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, with a very curious question, first of all, I really love Punch, but you started saying living life in the forest. That has always been one of my fantasies. I'll never do it because I'm a city slicker. What is the biggest challenge and joy of living within, you know, not near a subway, but out, out amidst nature? So I grew up in, a, in the country. I grew up on a farm and, um, and I, don't, I don't live well in cities. So, I mean, this is what I'm looking at. Oh, that's amazing. So I, I, I lived, we lived in what we call the bush. I think you guys might call the forest. And um, my father used to build fences for a job. And um, so I come from a very, very rural, very rural background. And although in my jobs, I travel around the world and live for short times in cities, I don't fit. <laughs> and that makes me a C minus gay guy because I don't fit in, I don't fit in the urban environment. <laughs> That's amazing. So, I, so Punch, I, I really love this film. And is this, I'm, I'm assuming this is your feature directing debut, but I'm sure you spent a lifetime, I'm assuming, directing. So when I say debut, it, is it really not a debut because you've worked your way up to this? Um, so my my background actually is I'm a designer, a graphic designer. And um, and and also I, I'm involved in a lot in education and education reform. But um um, I didn't. I didn't make film really. I, I made a few short films, um, but it really is a. It's a joining together because I I illustrate and I I, I work for a little while directing in theatre, um, and and film is this lovely thing that brings sound and image and space and time together. 
in something that just keeps that wraps up into something where you can show the world something that you dreamed into being. And that's, I can't say fucking powerful, but I want to go fucking powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you could say that. You could say that. Very powerful. Without your two leads in this film, it it really wouldn't work. Did you know that they would both be giving pretty much, it seems like their soul just to, to take on these roles. It took, um, it took five years. The casting took five years. So I searched and searched and searched for those characters. And, um, and Jordan, who who does uh, the the part of of uh, Jim, he I found him within two years. But Fetu, it took five years, and I needed people who could possess the character, and and as a result, I was able to work with them. So, like Jordan is actually asthmatic, so I wrote asthma into the film. So I took little bits of their real world and used it to enhance the character that they were going to create beyond my screenplay. Wow. Five years. How did you stay the course within all that planning? Is it just because, you know, you have another life, right? So is it, is it organically, was the five years not as much of a a challenge as someone like me would think? No, it was a challenge. It nearly killed me, mate. In fact, in truth, I took this film idea for funding 15 years ago and I fought for 15 years to get it made. I had a lot of trouble attracting funding because the idea of a a film about a young gay boxer was something that actually said there were still problems in the world. It wasn't all LGBT pride parades and rosy. wasn't a popular idea. The idea is now we show you know positive affirming stories, etc. And I went, but it's not actually like that in small towns. It's not like that. And and because my work is very poetic. And I draw everything before I make it. Um, it kind of, people were, it didn't fit. It wasn't a standard three-act film. It didn't do all these things. And so I had to had to fight. But my short films had done, had won a lot of international festivals, and I had that as leverage. But um, it was really when Tim Roth, his agent, sent him the screenplay, because it's a very unusual screenplay, and he contacted and said, I'd like to, I'd like to do the part of Stan. Then, then we were able to attract the funding. So it was a, a very tenacious guy, you know, and some days it wasn't working and I was nearly crying, digging compost into my garden, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, within those 15 years with the funding, did you mature into the story? Meaning, was it a different story when you started off all, all those years ago? Because I think I really love the theme of Punch, the fact that it's really about no matter what, being there for the for the people you love and care about. And I'm just wondering if that's something that you matured into as a writer and an artist over the years of this of these challenges. You're good. Your questions are good, mate. Okay. So uh, let's see if I can answer this really honestly. The film was originally called Flight. So I knew what it I knew what it was about. It was about a boy who remembered being able to fly and he lived under a tyrannical father, but his father was actually a good man. And so everyone was flawed in the story. And that he would come to he would come to be a better man without a redemption narrative. So the story doesn't end as a rom com, you know, but it does end yeah. with hope. And uh and so so I don't have television and I don't get newspapers, I don't have radio. I live, this is a very quiet world I live in. And although I do these public things, because I'm a, you know, I'm a, a professor and I, I do that other stuff, my 
my world is, is I'm quite a shy person. And so you wouldn't know that from my public appearance, but I actually am. And so I knew I knew what I wanted, what I wanted to speak into what I thought was a bit of a void. And um, and then over time, no, it, it found a way of, of translating the poetic voice into something that people could that could communicate to people who were anxious about what a film had to be. That's that's what the journey was. But and in that line, I, I you know, in that fifteen years, I produced and, and wrote and directed two short films that you know showed that I could do it. But of course, that idea of someone who can create a short film is not necessarily someone who could do a feature. And um, but um, it, and it had a deep root in that uh, part of the story was based on my partner who died of AIDS, and uh, he came from a boxing family and was um, destined to be a great boxer. His father coached him, and uh, he walked away from it and went to UCLA, uh, Became a, held the national title in the triple jump here. And we used to train, because I'm a distance runner, we used to train out on the beaches where I filmed it. So that was where we, that's where we used to train. Running calf deep in the water builds your leg muscles. Running up sand dunes builds the explosive power in, in your performances. So it was actually filmed in the places where we used to train together. That's amazing. You know, I, I guess this is a, a question just for insights for people who want to write, shoot their own film. How do you, or just writers in, in general, how, how do you uh, separate the people that you love and care about as far as inspirations for your writing and and keeping your writing fictional, meaning divorcing the two? Or maybe it's not a divorce. Maybe it's just a marriage of the two because you're putting... How do you, how does one go about it? Because it, it seems like a very insurmountable task to do that, where because there's going to be bias, no no matter where you go. So, wow, you're good, mate. You're you're good. Okay, so um, that's a really profound question, um, and so I I create fiction. I I say that it's fiction, but um, Kevin, I talked with him before he died that I would make this film because he went into the hospice. Because I could, we I built this house for him and for us, and but it, because it's way up in the trees when he was dying, we couldn't carry on here, so we moved into a hospice, and his he became hugely estranged from his dad, and his dad found him. He didn't want his dad to know he was dying of AIDS, and um, his dad came in and sat sat by his bed, and um, he could only touch the sheet; he couldn't touch him, and he he didn't say anything, and he just sat there crying quietly and then 20 minutes later he left and so little fragments of things like touching sheets um a relationship between a son and his father where both people actually love but they can't make the connection and the idea of somehow trying to get that resolved in an unexpected way I talked that all over with Kevin so he was dead keen that I did it but he said because I won't I'm sorry I'm going to use rough language because this is what he said yeah. You don't suck up the ass of the film commission, so you want never going to get funding for it. And so, fuck it, I have. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, you know, in, in my heart, secretly, I, I, I think, Greg, he's still there in the theatre watching when the story plays out. It's not entirely his story, but it was. there are two names at the very end of the film, Adrian Burr and Kevin Todd. So Kevin, is that's Kevin. And Adrian is the guy who stood up and funded this or gave a lot of funding to it, and he died during the production, and he was dying of cancer of the liver, which is what Stan has, 
in the film. So he yeah. we he gave us his symptoms because I didn't want to show it as a cardboard cutout with people going, you know, yellow, et cetera. And so he gave that in. So the film is fed by thread. So I call it fiction, but it gathers its resonance from the lives, from real things, because I find that even small real things have greater power than manufactured big things. And, you know, two minute warning, but as you're leaving, well, just the reaction to the movie. I mean, I know that people, it's when you make your your art, but it's not, some people say it's not fully completed until the other person actually gets to immerse himself in it. What has it been like just getting the feedback? I'm sure that's hard for you to put into words. Yeah. I wanted the film to make people feel hope, but I didn't want to do a standard ending. So it's had a good reaction, but some people don't like the queer bashing in it. They don't like it's brute. They don't like sometimes when it deals with difficult stuff. But in general, it's had a really good good reaction. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And one of these days, one of the uh, I would, maybe in another life, I'll live in the forest. It looks so amazing to do. So. <laughs> okay, mate. You have All right, take to... care. All right, man. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. You're late. I'm sorry for the inconvenience. You smell like failure. I'm watching you. Hello? Oh, thank God. I've been drugged and kidnapped by my ex. And I can't see anything because I broke my glasses. Who's this? Are you number one? No. Could you video call me in and guide me to somewhere safe? I don't think I'm the person to do this with my ex. He's going to kill me. I need you to be my eyes for me. Okay. Let's go. No one is getting murdered today. Is he here? Oh, no. No, no, I see him. I'm going to have to find another phone. Can I use your phone, please? Absolutely not. There is a woman who's about to get murdered. What kind of crack are you smoking? Ah! Ah! I want my phone back. It's an emergency. Where is his car? Keep walking. Tell me when he's here. Now! Emily! I can't do the work. I need you. Your ass is going to jail! (laughs) What the? Hey, if you got lost in the woods, what would you do? I wouldn't get lost. First off, I really love this movie as a biased fan of Brian De Palma and especially split screens. Can you just talk about the necessity of split screens for you, specifically your film? And what were the advantages of of using it? I just, I love that stuff. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Um, I mean, yeah, this movie, I don't know if I could, if somebody told me I could not use split screens in this movie, I don't know if I could have done it. Because from the very beginning, I we needed to show two worlds at the same time and how they interacted with each other. So we just had a lot of fun just pushing the boundaries of what split scene could be aesthetically and um, how they interplay both worlds, you know. 
And yeah, from from a script stage to post-production, we were constantly evolving what the split screen was going to be like. My only uh, half complaint, half compliment regarding this is I'm a little bit sad that I don't get to see more movies with Midori and Jolene. I want like five or six down the road. Can you make that happen? And how how great was it to actually have those two pretty much be the, the, the co-leads in your film? Oh my God, a dream come true. Like we... I just, it was just like a real, truly like surprisingly like joyous set. And I say surprisingly, not because sets are, you know, not joyous, but it just, it's usually hard to be on set, right? But there's just something about the fact that like we all just bonded together really early that just made the whole thing again, just like a real pleasure to be, to be going through it together. And um, I agree with you. I want to see those two in every scenario possible. Like they're just such a good pair and they have such good chemistry. And so um, I would love to keep making those Midori Jolene films. Yeah, I really love the pacing in the film and how you set up the, the the stakes and the tension. Just from a layman's perspective, what is the key to doing that? Is it just a lot of hard work in the edit or is it just knowing what you're shooting in your head or maybe a little bit of both? Because it just seems so hard to do. Definitely both. Um, yeah, it, it's a pretty tight movie. Like, you know, it's 70 something minutes. It's... um. It's something that we knew that we never wanted to overstay our welcome in the concept or in any scenario. And I'm just somebody who also just as a viewer, just gets bored very quickly. Like I have my own, like, let's get on with this, you know, internally. So I think any movie I make is something where I I, I just want, I want to linger in the moments where you want to emotionally. But other than that, I'm just like, let's go, let's keep moving. Let's have the tension up. Um, So it's definitely, even from a script point, you know, you know, trimming it down to it's like most essential necessities and then continuing to do those trims into post-production and like doing those micro adjustments to make sure like things are going and never like stalling. Yeah. You know, I'm a Gen Xer and I I really love the the double meaning, I guess, in my opinion of unseen. Can you just talk about your two leads? I mean, look, when I was growing up in the eighties or nineties, Jolene wouldn't be the lead. And I'm just so glad she's a star in my eyes. And can you talk about the double meaning of your moniker? I love it. Oh my goodness. I mean, yeah, for me, the title is something where it is kind of this meta thing for me, right? Like, of course it's about like, you know, uh not being able to see which is like the surface level but for me it's like yeah like these especially the character of sam is somebody who again the world kind of ignores and the world doesn't you know look at and the world just thinks as something that they can just like walk over and like they're again like they're they are invisible to so many people's eyes as like a human being and especially as somebody in that socioeconomic background and yeah, and for me, she's the hero that I need to see in the world. Like, you know, I I really like to make movies about, like, again, body diversity is very important to me that, again, like, all of us have, you know, the opportunity to be a hero on screen. And so, yeah, the 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 title for me was kind of about, like, people who are, you know, marginalized on the sidelines and never get to take up the spotlight and, you know, finally get to be the heroines. Um, but, you know, also it's just, like, she can't see. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I really, I really love so many things about this film. And uh, just how hard was it? Like you said, the edit, how hard was it on the edit? I, I just, when I see something at 76 minutes, I go, wow, that's an amazing feat. So 
Mr. Michael Block, my my favorite editor in the world, one of my great friends, we went to AFI together and he edited my thesis film. So we go way back. Um, yeah, I know he was the man for the job because he's like he loves like B horror movies and just is a, such a cinephile and just kind of knew exactly what I was going for and um that this was gonna be. I told him from the very beginning, like, this is not a subtle film. This is a high octane film, and I just want you to go hard on it. Um, so even his earlier cuts were pretty short, actually. And he was actually like worried that, you know, the studio was going to be like, is there a scene missing? Like, why is this so short? But from the very beginning, he knew our objective was to like get in, get out and like have a good time. One, this is a two part question. I guess it goes with the unseen uh, perspective, but can you right off the top of your head, can you name one of your all time favorite movies? But then on the flip of that, can you name a movie that you feel is so underrated and overlooked that it's frustrating for you and you'd want to get it out there for people, people to see it? So just those two parters. Uh, well, let's see. My favorite um, film of all time of any genre that kind of hit me when I was super young is actually a film called Hedwig and the Angry Inch. That is a kind of like a just like the most unique musical film that um john Herman mitchell made uh that one i saw in high school i think like when we had like a substitute teacher and had nothing else to do and somebody put it on and i just watched it and it just captivated me in another way um that has continued through my entire life and actually it's so the movie that movie is actually probably the same answer for underrated and like you know like it's on broadway and like people know it as far as like you know within a subculture but I think when I say that's my favorite movie, a lot of people haven't seen it. So I'm like, everyone's got to see it. And your final question, just can you talk about getting the color visual pop of your film? Because it it seems a lot of the creative decisions for this movie are just, they're not arbitrary. They're very focused, but there's just a gumbo pot of just influences. And where does that come from? And I, I think that's just so inspiring for me. So. I love the gumbo pot of, you know, I love that because we shot in New Orleans. Uh, We ate a lot of gumbo on that set. Um, Yeah, I mean, for me, especially the gas station, I was like, I, you know, you want to build an environment where the camera has a lot to look at and the camera will get excited and like to, and then like, you know, have something stimulating to actually shoot. So from the very beginning, you know, my production designer and I were like, I, I told him like this, I want to elevate and like take it above reality what this gas station is going to be. And, you know, the, the neon green and the neon pink, obviously it's a personal obsession of mine. Um, but I just knew that it was going to be something that would um, elevate the, the cinematic language of the film on every single level. If we were able to infuse that into that location. And last, last question, Yoko, regarding one of the themes of this movie about moving on when you really want to give up, did you ever have that kind of feeling when you had dreams of becoming a filmmaker? Because I grew up in, I, I spent two years in Edina and I moved to LA. So I've just, I've always wondered what was, what would it have been like if I actually grew up in Minneapolis? Did that charge your dreams or did, was it a just? Edina. Wow. You were in Edina. Oh my goodness. Love that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Minnesota. Um, yeah. I mean, becoming a director and being paid for it and making my own visions come true on the big screen was never something that seemed realistic. Like, I mean, yeah, Minneapolis, like when you just grow up, um, Hollywood movie making feels incredibly inaccessible, like a, like a, just, just something that is a fantasy. And so for me, it was like, of course, there's so many times across, you know, since being like a little kid in Minnesota with a video camera to being now an adult making a film, there was 
literally like decades in the middle where I, you know, was up and down. Like, even if I was making, you know, creative strides, I was still working at a sushi restaurant, like many moments where I was like, this might not happen for me. So yeah, but you're kind of right. The movie's a little bit meta in that sense of like, hold on, stay determined and you, you might get through. Really love your film. And before you go, are any other projects down the, down the pike? Because you're going to get a lot more offerings, I think, after this movie. I hope so. I mean, I, I still definitely have a lot more things to say, I think, in the horror genre. Um, I am very attracted to body horror. I'd love to make some sort of body horror film um, through the female perspective. Um, I'd also love to continue to make kind of survival horror films. I'd love to make one that kind of takes place in the uh, the fashion world. I love, you know, I love glitz, glamour, color, pops, you know, and, and neon, but with like darkness and like kind of looking into the darker underbellies of those worlds. So that's the kind of stuff I want to do next and different writing stages, different attachment stages, but definitely a lot of projects coming up. Thank you so much. I'm going to get out of here. I took too much of your time. I really love your oh, film. It's okay. Thank you All so right. much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye.